As a man, you have power to impact your family, community, and the world. Men hold the keys to home and society. Yet we are in a time where manhood is stigmatized and the role of a good man is unclear. Today, it is more difficult than ever to find guidance, wisdom, and support to navigate this reality. Welcome to The Father Podcast, where our mission is to restore the reputation of what biblical manhood can look like and how it can be lived in today's world as fathers, husbands, and leaders. If you'd like to help our mission and advance our work, please consider subscribing to this podcast and donate at fathermagazine.com. Enjoy our next episode that starts right now. Hey friends, this is Marcus with Father Magazine. Before we start our episode, uh, I want to tell you a little bit about this uh, particular one. It's going to be a little bit different than what you're used to. Uh, It'll be the first of many future ones like this. Um, I believe that some of the most powerful things we can hear are people's stories. And uh, this is going to be our first one. So today you're going to be hearing from a man named James. James is an ex-con turned Christ follower, and he's the co-founder of an intercity ministry called Church Without Walls. So I had the pleasure of speaking with James at my home the other day. The sound does have a little interference, unfortunately, because we had a microphone issue, but it's worth listening to as you hear his life story. It is our hope that what he shares today with you would resonate and impact your walk with God in some way. So to that end, let's listen in on James' story. Uh, I have invited my friend James. Hello, James. Hello. (laughs) How's it going? (laughs) Yeah, so we're sitting in my living room right now, and I just... uh, I met James. I'll tell a quick story. I met James uh, at a at a men's group, and uh, I don't know. There's something about you when I when I was like this. We were talking. I just felt called to sit down with you and kind of get to know you a little bit better, right? Holy so, Spirit, man. That's right. So we we had a we had a breakfast this morning. It's awesome. Heard your testimony, and so I thought it'd be awesome that you could share it again. <laughs> Do you mind? Not at uh, all. Not at all. Yeah, and again, this podcast is about equipping men. It's about bringing wisdom to men out there, and you got a lot of wisdom. I'm just gonna say, it. I mean, what what I heard from you this morning, it was super encouraging to me. So, how would we just start off? Um, what's your background like? You want to go back all the way to kind of where you started with me? And... I'm feeling led to say, you know. The source is being attacked. You know, there, there's, a, there's an onslaught of demonic activity against men. And it's starting, you know, in the younger stages of our life. And every man that has a call on his life for the kingdom or anything that has to do with kingdom things that is going to be a threat to mm-hmm. the demonic realm is under attack for a young age, from a young age. So, you know... My testimony is in is in three parts, I, I guess. It's rejection, abandonment, and identity crisis. Those those three things. So and and what happens is so the Bible talks about a threefold cord, and a threefold cord, you know, isn't isn't easily broken. So what the enemy likes to do is he likes to mimic anything that God does. So the threefold cord in my life was the rejection, the abandonment, and the identity crisis. Mm-hmm. 
So which eventually got broke by the Holy Spirit. But um, I'll deal with the uh, rejection um, part of it. So my mom, she had me when she was 15 years old, 1974. My dad was 24 years old. So you and I are the same age because yeah, much, that's yeah. when I was born, 74. So. 70s babies, man. Oh, man. You know. Dangerous. <laughs> Dangerous. The 70s was a, I, I would say, a very lenient time, you know what I mean, especially in the area of relationships, you know what I mean, where, you know, that would be considered pedophilia now, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas back in the 70s, it was somewhat okay to a, to a degree, you know what I mean? So this is, this is where I was birthed out of. As I grew up, my parents were into themselves. Now, when I say into themselves, I have to say that my parents and a lot of other parents, they did the best they could do with the information that they had That's at right. the time. That's right. I thought that was really wise that you said that. Because and we could really, you know, knock our parents. Right, right. Quickly. We don't always want to do that. We don't always want to do that. But getting that understanding helped me to forgive them. And it also put the mandate on me that I have more information now, so I'm obligated to do better. So as they were doing them in that era, you know, the family got broken up. And I went to go stay with my dad and my, and my sister and brother were with, were with um, my mom. And this is when the rejection started to creep in. Because my dad was like any 70s dad, you know, I got whoopings. You know what I mean? I got whoopings, man. And I'm not knocking the whoopings. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I probably needed my butt whooped. But when you, when you have that, that sort of strong discipline with no love, it creates a distance between you and the disciplinary. disciplinary. And this is how rejection. So first, the family breaking up, me being split away from my mom, then going into a disciplinary uh, situation with my dad, who was a who was a tyrant. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And not and not being accepted with the love that's supposed to come with the discipline, brought forth a uh, rejection. And with that rejection, there's a yearning for acceptance. Now <laughs> to come down. So now I'm experiencing rejection from the mother and rejection from the father, and I'm six, seven, eight, nine years old trying to navigate in a world where children are cool. Um, your peers are cool, and you're, you're pushed in to do things to try to be accepted. So I ended up losing my virginity at 10 years old. But see, my dad has surrounded me in this, like, pimp lifestyle that he was in. Right. So he had me in the bed with his women with him. You know what I'm saying? I would mm-hmm. go to different houses, different females. They would take me to Great America. They would buy me things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I was already being groomed into this having women take care of me type situation where I found acceptance, which pushed me into being a womanizer, which we, you know, which also comes out of the abandonment, which is two. My dad put me on a plane to Arkansas. And when he put me on this plane to Arkansas, Years later, he tells me why he did it. And he said because he wanted more time for himself. Now, at the time, I didn't know what those words, he didn't say that to me, but the abandonment was mm. just as effective. Mm. Mm. And I remember crying and bawling on, the, on that plane on my way to Arkansas, away from everything I, I had grown to know, you know, with, with my dad and um, with my mom. So now we have rejection and now we have an abandonment situation. 
and then going to live with my great grandmother in Arkansas, where um, she actually was the one who instilled church in me, because you know we had to go down south. Oh yeah, grandmother, you're going. I mean, to you're church. going. Doesn't matter what you <laughs> want to do. You're going. You're going. And, you know, that's why I got my first experiences. So for about three years, you know, I was involved in a church, youth choir, you know what I mean? But at the same time, I was still in sin. It was more like a religious setting where you just go to church to have the outer appearance, but denying the power, like the scripture says. And as I was getting this um, Jesus education without the power, without the relationship, it made abandonment and rejection even more prevalent. And I'll tell you how. Imagine a kid that's going to church. Everybody knows you're going to church, but then you go to school and you try to be this hard guy. You try to be this other persona. So now you're in schizophrenia. So not only through rejection and abandonment, now schizophrenia is accepted in because you're trying to be two different people to be accepted. Why do you think, why do you think that's happening? Well, the, it's happening because in church culture, you're supposed to act a certain way. On Sunday, everybody's polite, everybody's loving, everybody has the Bible out, it's scripture reading, it's preacher, it's total, total bliss for those two hours you're in church. And this is the facade that you're <laughs> supposed to be engulfed in. And you want to be accepted there. Right? You want to be accepted there. Because you, you, you're not accepted elsewhere, so you're trying to find acceptance. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah. Um, with rejection from the mother and rejection from the father and then the abandonment, you're trying to, you, not, you no longer have a guide as to who you should be. So now that you don't have a guide of who you should be, anything, anybody that shows you love at that age, you're going to cling to. Exactly. You're going you're gonna to cling to. Even if it's bad. Even if it's bad. Yeah. The church, the pastors, and everything, they showed me love. So immediately I gravitated. But now there's a whole nother culture out here. There's a whole nother sin culture out here that also I want to be a part of because I'm only at church two hours on Sunday. But Monday through Friday, I'm at school dealing with all the issues that surround mm -hmm. a, a kid that's in high school, junior high. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? And this is what creates the split in your personality. So now you don't even think about that. Right? You don't, of course. Don't. How can you? Yeah, yeah. You're a it's, kid. Yeah. You just, no, no. I, even like as an adult, you don't. You kind of go, why? Why is that happening to people? Why are they gravitating towards these evil people? You, you know, mm -hmm. in some respect, and they go towards that. Um, these people they know probably not the best guys to hang out with, but because they showed that love that they've mm -hmm. been longing for from their father. Or their mother, mm -hmm. but it makes sense. Uh, even at church, you kind of put on a mask because but, you want to be accepted there too. So. Unless you're, you've been, you know, converted, you know, correctly, you know, through the power and the blood of, of, of Jesus Christ. Through that, it has been your, you know, genuine conversion, mm -hmm. and it's not a fear conversion, and it, or it's not a want to be accepted conversion. It's the actual knowing and understanding mm -hmm. you need a savior when you're converted in that realm, then it becomes true. And then you know that this other culture that wants to try to pull you in is of the enemy and you're able to stay away from it. But as in, in religion, they combine the two.
So you end up with this split personality, man. Tell me, tell, tell me a little bit about that tattoo on your, on your arm. So fast forwarding, I end up coming back to California at 15 oh, years old. Yeah. And when I come back to California, I'm, uh, I moved to Oakland. And this was in 1989. And um, this was when it was the Black Power, yep. Gang Star, uh, Hip Hop. Uh, Tribe Called Quest, um, you know, Public Enemy, all these pro-black movements, yeah. you know what I mean? And I moved to the most pro-black city in America. They still call Oakland Chocolate City. And when I was there, like I said, split personality, abandonment, now identity crisis. And that's the third chord strand in my testimony that we're getting to now. So now I hook up with a, with a man who I, who I you know, I gravitate to because he's older and he's showing me love. Father figure, who happens to be a black Muslim. And he's the kind of Muslim that's teaching that it's gonna be a race war. The white people are gonna to try to rise up and kill us. Mm. So I'm under that teaching. So I'm under that teaching so heavy and I'm, and I'm, and I'm going out, man, and I'm, and I'm being a racist, you know what I'm saying? I'm beating up white people, I'm pro-black, I'm, and I get this Islam tattoo, you know what I mean, to try to convince myself that this is who I am. That's what all my tattoos, man, I got gang tattoos on me and everything, all in an attempt to convince myself that this is who I am, but when actually I don't know who I am. And the, the, the uh, reason for the tattoo was at the time, you know, now tattoos are popular and everything but back then it meant something to get a tattoo like you had to actually earn your tattoos <laughs> <laughs> back then you know what i mean your stripes yeah yeah those are your stripes man you just don't go get tats you have to actually earn those back then mm -hmm. now you know whatever you want to put on you put on you you know what i mean right so that was what this tattoo came in it's a crescent moon with a star that says islam above it now i'm fast forwarding now we've got to the three chord strand that the enemy is wanted to place on me. Now, let me tell you how God broke it. And this is really a, a speedy. In prison, because I end up in prison after all of this. I end up in prison at San Quentin. 21 years old. And I'm going to Juma service. And um, I can't understand a word this guy is saying. He's a brother like me, mm -hmm. older, mm -hmm. but I'm... I'm telling you, Marcus, this, it was like he was actually, I, you know, I actually think God was blocking what he was trying to instill inside me so that it wouldn't get in my spirit and, and transform me any way or any more than the enemy has already tried. So I believe God always had his hand on my life and only allowed certain amounts of things to see through for my learning, Interesting. Yeah. For, my, for the gaining of my wisdom. God allows things in his wisdom that he can prevent with his power. So, I can't understand a word this guy's saying, man, but I hear the Pentecostal church. I hear the choir. I hear them praising. And it resonated in me because the foundation was placed in there for my grandmother. So, as they were praising and worshiping, it resonated in me. So, the next Sunday, I don't go to Juma. Hmm. I go to the Pentecostal church. And the man told this story. Do I have time to tell the yeah, story? Girl, no, yeah. Because yeah. I'm going to be asking you some questions okay. after all this. So the man, the man tells this story. He said there was a little boy who was lost. And when the police found him, they asked the little boy what his mama's name was. And the little boy said, Mama. Okay. 
So they asked him, what's his daddy's name? And the little boy said, daddy. So the officer asked the little boy, he said, is there anything that you can remember, any landmark, anything that you can tell us that would help us to get you home? And he says, in front of my house, there's a giant cross. And if I could just get to that cross, I could find my way home. And I broke. I broke. I was bawling in front of 200 hardened criminals in San Quentin, man. Mm. And still didn't, still didn't accept Christ again. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or really. But I knew that, that, that there was something in this worship. There was something in this place that I'm in that I needed. Because when you break like that and you cry like that in the presence of the Lord, it's actually deliverance. So when I broke and I cried, all of the pain, all of the rejection, all of the abandonment, now I'm starting to realize that there is an identity in who I am. Now, I don't understand this right then, but this is the deliverance that's taking place so now God can start to operate. Powerful. So that broke. And then as the time went by in the penitentiary, God had his hand on me. Another brother came up to me. And he asked me, and I finally got the question, man. He asked me if I wanted to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. We sat on the prison yard. He sat there with me for a whole hour. I must have smoked like 20 cigarettes, man, trying to make this decision if mm -hmm. I'm going to really do this or not. He sat there with me the whole time waiting. So finally, after a whole hour, I said, come on, man, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Praise for me. Say the sinner's prayer. My life has not been the same since, and this was 1997, the same point. Incredible. Let me ask you something. First off, James, I mean, thank you so much. I mean, the, the, the story goes on and on and on. I, mean, I know this is a, like a 30-minute uh, podcast, but like, there, there is so much more to your story. But right. thank you. That, that was a really good summation. Uh, to those out there that are dads, and maybe men that haven't had kids yet, what mm -hmm. would you say to them? From your experience, what would you say to them? Of What would you encourage them to do as fathers or as future fathers? The first thing I would say to dads, I would say you are the most important person on the planet. Mm. Now, that may sound um, a little extreme, but it's the truth. Because if you look at a father from a child's point of view, number one, for the woman, for the child, for the girl, that is the first man that loves her unconditionally. Absolutely. That is the first man that gives her a hug without a sexual in the window in it. That is the first man that she sees on how a man should treat a woman. Mm. For the boy, for the young man, for the son, this is the first man that shows that a man can love another man in a non-homosexual way. Mm -hmm. This is the first man that he sees so the saying goes that if the son can't see God in his father, then he won't see the father in God. Shout out wow. to Too Savvy. And um, this is what the role of a father is. And it's just been conscrewed and mixed up, man, because men don't know their place. So when a father becomes a father and he has this kingdom of he has his own kingdom. Now he has to understand how to govern that kingdom according to biblical principles. 
So the importance of that is, is the father has the God-given authority that has been stowed upon him since the beginning of time. And the source. Now, when I say the source, you got to think of like an electrical panel, which is the source of the electricity. You're an electrician by I'm, trade. I'm an electrician by trade. And without that source, the power does not get distributed. Mm -hmm. Now, the woman is very important. The mother is very important. Absolutely. Just like the wires, the conduit, the breakers are very important. But what can a wire, what can a conduit, what can a breaker do without the source? That's how important they are. That, that's what I would say. Wow. And when they know that, then you begin to understand why society is against you. Because a society that is demonic is against the natural order of things that God has placed because mm. it brings forth victory. And the enemy just wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And how does he do that? He gets rid of the father. Right. First, the strong man has to be bound before the enemy can spoil the good. So if he takes away the man, if he takes away the authority, if he takes away the source, if I take away the panel, then no power can be distributed. Gives me chills. James, um, thank, you for, thank you for your story. Uh, thank you for this good. reminder. Again, this is why we do what we do. Yep. Um, you know, if you're listening right now, and maybe you have a similar story like James. I mean, mine is not as uh, wild as yours, but I still come from uh, a home that's broken. I still come up from a home of, of a little bit of a uh, father that was not there all the time. Um, if you're wrestling with your identity of who you are, what would you say to them out there? If you're wrestling with your identity, sexually or if you're wrestling if i'm good enough father good enough father all that stuff good enough person then what's happening to you is you are listening to the lie a lot of people ask me how do you know when the devil's around how do you know when satan's around and a lot of people say well there's a dark feeling that comes over you or uh, there's clouds or it's just mist and it's like no the way you recognize that satan is around is the lie is around. But here's the thing. If you don't know the truth, you can't recognize the lie. So you need to find out the truth. Where's the source? You need to find out where the source is. You need to find out the truth about who God says you are. And then once that truth resonates in your heart, then the lie cannot penetrate. Yes. Because when you, if you go back all the way back before all this, all this happened to you, let's go back to your dad. Okay. Putting you back on that plane mm -hmm. at that moment right there. Who truly loved you? What was the truth? Who loved you? God. Without you knowing. Without me knowing. It, right. So even though you may not have known it at the time, there was a truth. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And um, see, this is the important thing. Things could have changed at that moment if you knew that. Well, see, the thing is they did. Because yeah. what the enemy meant for good, what meant for evil, God turned it's to true. good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Putting me on that plane put me in direct contact with Jesus Christ. And a foundation hmm. that 10 years later pulled me out of a, a Juma service and yeah. false religion and into a place where I could hear the word of God and get deliverance, not even knowing it, because I was put on that plane. This is how this is how much God loves us. This is the this is the plan of the Lord. This is why the enemy cannot win against those who have been called by the purpose. Because God is with us. Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. 
I'm going to have you plug kind of what you're you're doing right now because you are full-time evangelist, right? Yes, I am. Yes, sir. So tell, tell the audience a little bit about what you're doing, maybe how we could support you in any way. So now, um, through lots of prayer fasting, I've figured out my purpose on this planet Earth and why I was birthed in the first place. Mm. And that is to steer men back into their calling of authority since before the fall. There's a spirit that is attacking men's masculinity. And I have been mandated to head on confront this spirit and push men into their rightful calling in place as biblically sound as it is so that they can be who they're called to be as the source and authority on this planet. So I have two ministry. I have one ministry going on and it's called church without walls. Shout out to Travis Taylor. Um, we're ministering twice a week. We Every Tuesday, we're in front of a high school for three weeks. Okay. So every three weeks, we switch high schools. And where is that? Right now, we're in front of uh, Hayward High. Okay. We got one more week there, then we're going to go to Tennyson High. We're going to be three weeks at Tennyson High, then we're going to come back to Fremont and hit Logan High School three weeks. And then we're going to just keep ministering in front of these high schools until God says stop. And then every Saturday, we're in front of Walmart and Hayward off of Whipple. Where we where we uh, minister the gospel, pray for people, uh, deliverance, healing, uh, prophetic words, mm. um, encouraging, all the uh, all the elements of the fivefold gospel uh, flows with this ministry that I am uh, connected with. And um, is there a, is there an online thing that you could? Is there anything yet? I don't have anything online. How, how can people? How can, <laughs> and you know, maybe what I do is we'll, we'll figure out how to do that. For you right. and uh, maybe we can get that started somehow but uh, what's the best way for people to support you um, prayer pray that uh, God will finish the work that he started in me mm. well we definitely will be doing that and you know I'm, I'm gonna probably do is do a follow-up podcast with you okay um, once we get something going we can uh, you know figure out how we can support you because you know Beautiful is the feet that bring the good news. I love that verse because, and and they are uh, a minister is worthy of his wages. And so, hallelujah. And so, um, you have to be supported. You have a family. So, uh, if there's any any anything we can do on our side to help you do that, we want to do that. So, I want to um, do I have a couple minutes? Yeah. Okay. So I want to stand proxy right now. I want to stand proxy for the women who hear this. Women, I want to stand proxy for every man that has disappointed you, every man that has hurt you, mm -hmm. whether that be father, old boyfriend, friends. I want to stand proxy, and I want to ask that you forgive, that you forgive me for not affirming you, mm. that you forgive me mm. for not protecting you, mm. that you forgive me for not being the man of God that I was called to be in your life. Will you forgive? Because we need our women to push our men into the God-given position. Yes. We know that we have hurt you. We know that we have done things against you. But if you do not forgive us, 
If you do not forgive this, then you place yourself in a prison of bitterness. Mm -hmm. And that bitterness will cause cancer. That bitterness will cause heart attacks and fear and anxiety and will rob you of your life. And then it will rob you of the delight the Bible says that you're supposed to have in a marriage. Mm -hmm. And it'll cause you to come against the alignment of God. So I'm asking every woman that hears this to forgive me as I stand proxy for every man that has ever disappointed you, that has ever abandoned you, that has ever hurt you. Mm. Will you forgive? Because we need our women. We need our wives to help to put us back in that place that God has God has already spoken that we're supposed to be in. And then when everybody is in their place, it functions like a well-groomed machine. Mm. In Jesus' name. Jesus name. James, thank you so much. Thank you. I, I hope, and uh, whoever's out there listening, uh, if you want to know more about James' ministry, we will get that to you. Um, just be patient with us. Hey, you know what? Call me, 209-676-0663. Oh, I'm not afraid, man. There you go. That's, that's, <laughs> hey, if, if Bob Goff can do it, you can, right? All right. Hey, brother. Thanks again. Thank you for Hallelujah. this time. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to The Father Podcast. The Father Podcast is brought to you by Father Magazine in affiliation with Father Media Group, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Our sole mission is to restore and advance the presence of biblical manhood in today's world. We provide wisdom-bearing resources to help men find the answers they need to live out their God-given roles confidently and faithfully. If you feel called to help us advance our mission, we ask you to partner with us by subscribing to this podcast and or making a donation at fathermagazine.com so we can continue to create more resources just like this for a future generation of men. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.